Residential Lighting Specialist to Welcome to Residential Tech Talks. I'm Jeremy Glowacki, Executive Editor of Residential Tech Today. Joining us on this week's podcast from Chanhassen, Minnesota, is my longtime friend, Pete Baker. He's Managing Director of the Baker International Group. The Big Corp, as it's known, is a global sales rep and business development agency providing support to some of the finest brands in consumer electronics. Prior to his current gig, you might remember Pete as a custom integration business early in his career, uh, business owner, and then um, more familiar was his time as VP of Sales and Marketing at Remote Technologies Incorporated, where he spent 12 years building the RTI brand globally, positioning the company as a world-class leader for control, automation, and distributed audio solutions. Pete's a great proactive leader. He's worked with companies uh, on a lot of development uh, challenges, getting them into the international markets that they need to be in. Plus, he's literally got one of the brightest smiles in the business. Pete Baker, my friend, thanks for joining me today on the podcast. Jeremy, thank you so much. It's great to be here with you. It was great to see you just a couple of weeks ago as well. Absolutely. Uh, always fun to, to chat with you. So thanks for having me on on this great podcast. Thank you. I I, I was, uh, we were both in San Antonio, Texas at the ProSource Summer Conference, uh, the first big in-person event. I think there was a uh, international uh, or a, a security conference that was the week prior. So that technically was one of the first ones, but this was one of the first custom integration type events. And uh, we were there uh, all being brave in person for the first time in about a year and a half. And uh, it was just great to see familiar faces and talk, to, sure talk to each other. Yeah. And, and I was, I appreciated that you had listened to the podcast or seen parts of it and uh, would, be willing to come on and talk about your career and your current endeavors and just get caught up as friends. Cause that's the kind of podcast I love the most. <laughs> right. Yeah, I agree. It's my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Well, we we've gone back to, to your RTI days and had dinner many times together at CDOs and, um, some of the best steak places that I've been to with you and, uh, and you're, you've always been such a great host at those things. And I've literally been to your house in Minnesota, which was really cool. Because uh, Yes, during a snowstorm. <laughs> that's right. That's <laughs> right. We got so carried away kind of walking through the RTI gear that was installed in your, your home that uh, your wife finally gave you like the stink eye. I came over and said, you've got to let him go to the airport. Yeah. He's going to miss his plane. He's going to miss the flight and, and then really be on on the, the naughty list. So <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Thanks to my wife. Oh yeah. That was great. But, uh, but yeah, so, um, I, I, I kind of wanted to, uh, talk about where your career has taken you really, uh, almost chronologically. I don't always do these interviews like that, but, um, I, I want to talk more about your consulting and your, your work with, with the big corp, uh, sort of later in our interview, but, if you could just kind of give us a little background about how you got into the tech business, because you started off as an integrator, you owned your own integration business for five or six years. Um, what led you into that? I, I know few few people know this, but you, you grew up um, uh, in a very unique place. Uh, and I'll let you tell that story. But, but <laughs> how, how do you how do you go from from uh, being an Islander type of guy to being a tech guy? 
Right. That's a good question. So I did grow up in the Bahamas. I, I was uh, born as a as a Bahamian. My dad was Bahamian and uh, my mother was from Minnesota. And they met at a college function because my dad went to undergrad school in Minnesota, believe it or not, of all places. <laughs> they didn't really have universities in the Bahamas. And he befriended one of the monks in the Bahamas that happened to go to uh, college in Minnesota. And so that's what brought him here. Uh, so I grew up in the Bahamas. I still, uh, you know, I'm very closely tied to the Bahamas. I actually have dual citizenship and we still have a little store there. So if you're ever in the Bahamas, I'll throw a quick plug in for A. Baker and Sons, our, our little family shop that's still uh, on Main Street in the Bahamas. I saw that Facebook post recently. I didn't wasn't sure. Um, I didn't get through all the comments to see that that was still an operation. So um, is that like a haberdashery or what is it? <laughs> yeah. So it's uh, my dad or my grandfather immigrated from Lebanon to the Bahamas of all places. Uh, I wrote an article about that. If you ever want to read it, it's on my website. Okay. Uh, and uh, you can, you can look at that. I think it's uh sail towards, towards uh, future success, I think is the name of the article. So on the bigcorp.com. But he immigrated uh, from Lebanon when he was very, very young and ended up in the Bahamas. And he had a little cart with some dry goods that he just would push up and down the street in downtown Nassau and eventually saved enough money and started up this store. Uh, so they sold, uh, you know, kids clothes. We still sell kids clothes and hats. And my dad was a, a barrister, so they sold a lot of the the wigs and regalia that you need to wear when you go into trial. Oh. Uh, and then, you know, just some, some uh, souvenirs and things like that. So it's a cute little store. Uh, we're very proud of it. It, it was started in uh, 1894, I believe is when my grandfather started the store. So it's mm. still going strong to this day, even through COVID. So. Wow. That's great. What, yeah, what it's, a great a, it's a cool little shop. And then, we moved back and forth until I was uh, about 10 years old and eventually uh, settled back in Minnesota. And, uh, you know, I got into consumer electronics because I had a friend that worked at a at an electronics retail store, uh, Dayton Hudson, now has become Macy's. Hmm. And he was working there. He was selling stereo equipment and speakers and TVs. And, and he would often have... Uh, customers ask if they if he could hook it up for him if if he could hook up the speakers and the the stereo equipment and he said well we don't really do that here you know this is 30 plus years ago yeah but maybe i can get my friend to help me and we can come over after work and and hook up the equipment for you so he would contact me because i've always been a pretty handy guy and uh we'd go over to the house and figure out how to hook up the stereo equipment and uh, eventually, he had so much business that he he started up his own integration company, and uh, and then I eventually went to work uh, for him and and other integration companies over the years, um, and eventually started my own uh, integration company called Custom Home Integration. And and at that point, I had to get licensed as a low voltage technician and as a low voltage contractor as well. So I had to take the test with the state board of electricity and 
uh, and you know, spent a lot of time on on lots of job sites <laughs> <laughs> over the years, cutting in a lot of speakers and wiring up a lot of houses. Even though you know my primary role was really uh, sales and project design, I still had a lot of that firsthand experience wiring up the homes, and that has absolutely helped me in my career in different roles because I understand from firsthand knowledge what it's like to wire up a house or right. you know trying to finish up a project and running into issues and having a homeowner you know right over your shoulder saying when are you going to be done <laughs> yeah what's taking so long and why are you still here and why isn't it working so i have you know a full appreciation for what uh, integrators go through on a daily basis and you know, unfortunately, the integrators are very often the last people in. Mm -hmm. And at that point, the homeowner, um, is, you know, they're off very often over budget. The project has gone on far longer than they expected. And and here we're trying to rush in and, and assemble, you know, this crazy science project <laughs> and, and make some magic happen. Sure. And uh, and, you know, very often there's a lot of pressure that that's put on the integrator. And I understand that and appreciate that. So when I was at RTI, I led the, um, the tech support team and the customer service teams and, and really understood what they were going through. And also when they're receiving those phone calls from a frantic integrator saying, I got to get this working. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, so it doesn't sound like, you it was inevitable that you went into tech integration it was just sort of a, a a chance thing with your friend but once you're in it you you did it for a while but maybe the fact that you weren't an integrator for a long time before you went to work with rti kind of tells you that maybe that there was something bigger that you wanted to do or something else beyond yeah the well actually i did i was an integrator for 20 years so that might there might be a little misunderstanding oh there. right okay i so was an integrator for 20 years okay. working for different companies but i had my own av integration company for five years so, got it okay so I, I did do that for a very long time and and i can remember still jeremy to this day i distinctly remember when i first started in the industry and I was working in a, in a showroom uh, for one of the first companies I worked for that I would literally be pinching myself saying, I can't believe I'm getting paid for this. Mm. This is just so cool. Cause I always loved the technology and, and I just, I, I had so much fun okay. back then. And still to this day, I still can't believe that I actually get paid to do <laughs> what I do and that I'm, I'm part of such a exciting and fun industry. Well, not to, not to make assumptions, but you, I'm assuming you went to college. I did go to college. I didn't finish college, okay. but I did go to college. What did you uh, study while you were there? Years. I studied international business. Oh, well that, that worked out well for a starting point. <laughs> so I've always had an interest in that. And maybe it's because I, I grew up basically as an immigrant, you know, I, mm -hmm. I, was born in the Bahamas, even though my mother was uh, a U.S. citizen. Right. Um, so I, I grew up grew up living in you know a different country and um, driving on the other side of the street and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> right. So so then take take us through your term your time there your your dozen years at RTI and again that's where I got to know you. 
um, when you came in, you said you're working some tech support and things like that. Uh, it was a pretty, pretty young company at that time when you joined. Yeah. Uh, so, so I was good friends with the founder, uh, and, and, uh, owner John Dembski was a very good friend of mine. Uh, he's since passed away sadly, but, uh, he was a, a great friend of mine and, and certainly a great mentor as well for me in business. And uh, I was working for an AV company at the time that uh, that went out of business. And uh, I still had some clients that were like halfway through the uh, installation process. And so I started up my company, Custom Home Integration, to, to take care of some of those customers. And then also uh, went to work at RTI part-time <laughs> Okay. at the same time. I, and John needed uh, someone in sales. And back then there were only about five people in the company. It was a very small company. Mm. So uh, John and one of the other um, uh, owners, Kevin Marty, who was more the, uh, the software engineer, John was more of a hardware engineer and, and the CEO, of course. Yeah. Uh, and then there was uh, someone in accounting, someone in uh, the the service department and also shipping. That person did both. And then there was me part time. <laughs> <laughs> so I really did all the uh, back then I did all the sales, all the training, all the tech support, um, all wrote all the copy for all the magazine or the uh, the brochures and mm -hmm. advertisements and press releases, all those kind of things. And then also, you know, did the, the customer service and tech support. So I remember distinctly to this day, <laughs> one day when Kevin walked into my office with a big smile on his face and I said, what's up? And he said, I just transferred all the tech support calls to you. Oh, no. Yeah. So uh, it was it was a very, very interesting time. And it definitely was uh, trial by fire and and on the job training you know, doing tech support or, or writing the brochures. Uh, I remember John had a red pen and when I would write the copy for the brochures, he'd, you know, scratch out things and circle it with the red pen. And it was like submitting the paper to the, <laughs> to the teacher or the principal. Yeah. But, you know, eventually I would get them back without any marks on them. And I thought, you know, that, uh, that I learned a lot in writing. And, and as you know, Jeremy, I've written a lot of articles uh, for you over the years. Yeah, uh, uh, we've done that, and so it definitely helped me to get better at that craft, and also just such an amazing experience. And that's really why I left uh, the role as an integrator, and then eventually w went to work for RTI full time. Was because it was just you know really exciting opportunities, not just with. Um, you know, the business development at RTI, but also uh, I love the marketing aspects. I've always been, you know, passionate about marketing. And then also the international business opportunities. Yeah. You know, that was one of my, I guess, legacies at RTI. I had a fantastic U.S. sales team and had a fantastic, um, you know, fantastic teams uh, eventually that we built out over the years. So I, uh, well, you know, yeah. Brett Stuckey in the marketing department, who you know very well, mm -hmm. was, you know, just exceptional. And 
And a lot of the great uh, members of the sales team, uh, training teams, customer service and tech support, I mean, they really made us look good. And, and honestly, uh, RTI made fantastic products, still makes fantastic products. But I would contend that one of the main reasons why our business skyrocketed is because people love working with uh, the people at RTI. So many great people there. And uh, so I had a great U.S. sales team, but we really didn't have any international um, exposure whatsoever. And so I really focused on developing that business. I traveled, you know, extensively to all these international markets. I've always been pretty technical and especially with my background as an installer. Uh, and I created Advanced Control University and, the, and wrote out the whole course curriculum for RTI back then. So I knew the, the content pretty well and I would deliver all the international trainings uh, at least initially, you know, when we would hire an international distributor, I would train the trainer and train the team and and conduct, uh, you know, dealer trainings all over, you know, Europe and Australia and New Zealand, uh, really all over the world, the Middle East. Um, and uh, and so by the time I left, we RTI products were available in over 120 different countries. So. I'm pretty proud of that legacy. And uh, and when I left RTI, I felt that there were other companies, other U.S. manufacturers that were in a similar position, that they were very strong in the U.S., but hadn't really expanded internationally. And so that's where I came up with the concept of uh, the Big Corp, Baker International Group, is to help, uh, help U.S. manufacturers expand their global footprint. Mm-hmm. And I really felt that it... It required more than just having a, a sales rep or hiring a sales rep that you needed more than that. And so with the big corp, we really focus on not just uh, sales representation, but also uh, supporting uh, efforts as well with marketing, with training, you know, business development strategy, uh, customer acquisition and retention programs, all of those different elements that help to fuel success in in sales well we will continue talking about the big corp and some of those um, activities those endeavors Um, but first pete we are going to take a short break for commercial great did you know that 34 percent of broadband households are concerned about the air quality inside of their homes parks associates new quantified consumer study fresh air air quality and comfort in the smart home addresses consumer concern regarding indoor air quality as well as interest in air quality products and services. Our research of 10,000 broadband households finds that about 20% of broadband households are likely to purchase a smart climate or indoor air quality device in the next six months. This new consumer analysis quantifies concerns, perception of product value, and purchase intentions. For more information on fresh air, air quality, and comfort in the smart home, contact sales at parksassociates.com. Welcome back. I'm talking with Pete Baker, Managing Director of the Baker International Group, otherwise known as the Big Corp. Um, Pete, as you were starting to explain about what Big does these days, um, I'd like to first note something you you said in some of the materials you sent me that... uh, after working at RTI for 12 years, uh, you left and launched this uh, rep and business development company at the age of 50, which I can relate to because that's how I, old I am now. 
and you said brave, stupid, or brilliant. Um, I, I think that uh, that it was probably the perfect culmination of your experience there. And uh, one of the things I do remember is when when we would connect at, at CDA, you would have your, I believe this is where you would have your global partner um, summit. Typically, uh, you bring in all your international uh, partners mm-hmm. at RTI. So that was such a big thing to. Not, no pun intended with big, but it was such an important uh, part of what you were doing. I remember that. So international plays into so much about what you do now. Um, what is it that you think companies um, maybe don't know that you start to work with as clients um, that you can kind of bring that wisdom and, and experience to them about that international effort? Are the, a lot of these companies that just have have focused mostly on U.S. so far and they just don't know what to what the next step is to get into the international business world? Yeah. So uh, going back to the uh, the Global Partner Summit, that definitely was instrumental. And that was uh, something that I'm really proud of. Uh, and, and as you know, Jeremy, just like we're sitting here talking today, you and I are, are good, good friends. Uh, and it's a, it's a relationship business. Yeah. And so especially, I would say, um, internationally, I mean, certainly in the United States, I have very, very good friends uh, in the industry like you and and other people that I've done business with over the years. But internationally, um, it's very common as you develop those relationships where you're invited to dinner at someone's home. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we kind of did that here. I, I did the Global Partner Summit. Uh, and launched that, you know, I can't even remember what year it was, let's say around 2010 or somewhere, give or take a year. And we would kick things off at my house and I would actually physically cook for <laughs> everybody with a bar. I'd, I'd host a barbecue and I wanted a real authentic American meal. Okay. And so we'd have uh, steaks on the grill and corn on the cob and uh, you know, a very Midwestern kind of uh, uh, meal and just had such a great time. And then we would, uh, after that, then we would have uh, several days at the headquarters where I'd bring in various members of the team, you know, from tech support or customer service or training and so forth. Uh, certainly, you know, the the owners would be involved as well, talking about uh, product development and, and concepts. And it was uh, hugely successful. And so I'd kind of roll right in uh, from from that description into answering your question that that I think uh, it's important for U.S. manufacturers to understand how uh, intimate those relationships are internationally, that it, it you really do become very close business partners and friends with the people that you do business with. And I think that the closer you become, uh, the the more dedicated and passionate they become mm-hmm. about that brand. And so uh, with international, I think it's very, very important to invest in those relationships, spend time one-on-one uh, developing those relationships. But I also look at it, uh, you know, any of the brands that I work with, I will say, you know, for instance, uh, one of the brands that I represent now is uh, Savant. And so I would say to an international partner, uh, let's say if I hire someone, a new international distributor, I would say, I'm an expert at 
all of the uh, benefits and understanding everything that has to do with Savant. My job is to train you so that you become an expert at Savant. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that's not just acting as a sales rep. I need to go beyond that. And so uh, my job is really to give them the tools and resources so that they can be effective. So they don't have to develop that on their own. Right. Uh, obviously, Savant and all the brands that I work with, they have great training teams and marketing teams. Of course they do. But uh, but I can also kind of custom tailor that for a specific market. And so we create a lot of marketing materials uh, within the big corp and share those resources like email blasts and, and brochures or product catalogs with our international partners. And same with the, the training materials. I just talked with uh, someone today, uh, and it was a savant, uh, someone who works for savant. And they said, Hey, by the way, I was, uh, talking with a dealer in Canada and, and they showed me one of your training videos and said, Hey, check this out. Have you seen <laughs> what this guy does to market and promote, uh, savant? And so it, it ends up getting used by the company that I work for, the materials that we produce but also definitely other channel partners as well. Right. Um, so, you know, I work very closely with the team at Polaris Controls, for example, and we exchange, you know, resources as well. So you, um, do you have to adapt to different parts of the world? Um, it seems like there are certain similarities between, um, let's say like in Australia, and the way things are done there, that's been the story I've always heard uh, because of the construction style of homes. But then you go yes. to the UK and it's a totally different animal because there's stone walls and things like that. So you have to adjust some of what you're doing per what country you're dealing with, I'm assuming. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the things that I do, uh, and it kind of is tied back into the relationship aspects that we talked about previously, but any country that I go to, if English is a second language, I do the first part of my presentation in that local language. So, you know, I'm not fluent, obviously, in all these different languages like uh, Russian or Hebrew or um, Arabic or German, French, Spanish, so forth, uh, Afrikaans. But I, I study and rehearse wow. over and over and over and over again, like. <laughs> I remember when I went to Russia to study and rehearse for that, I actually was was dreaming, you know, reciting the the thing in Russian during my sleep. So, <laughs> you know, that's one of the, you know, one example of how I adapt and also how I I show respect to that local country that I'm I'm in and their their local language and and it really means the world to them. I mean, it really, really does. Uh, even if I am not perfect, which I'm sure I'm not, though, when I'm uh, when I'm reciting that uh, beginning of my presentation, but it just shows some respect. And then certainly, each one of the markets have different, uh, you know, cultural characteristics, and and just I think most importantly, just taking some time to understand that market. Sure. And show that you're really trying to learn about the market and, and ask some questions about what's the construction style like and what's what's the uh, 
the sales process like for you yeah. working with the dealers and what are the things that they're most concerned about or most, uh, what are some of your challenges or threats, weaknesses, strengths, and opportunities? Mm -hmm. And just trying to gain an understanding of those different markets and being sensitive to that rather than just blowing in like a bull in a China shop and, yeah. uh, yeah. and, you know, trying to force your, <laughs> Uh, you know, an American style on them. I think, you know, one example that I would give that's kind of a, a, you know, a strange analogy would be in France, you know, I'm half French and half Lebanese and, uh, and I love France. I, I love going there. I'm, I'm very passionate about the French culture and very often uh, people will complain. Americans will complain about uh the French being rude to them. Right. I've never had that problem, but whenever I'm there, I show some respect and at least know some of the common pleasantries like hello and goodbye and, and thank you. And once you do that, um, it really makes a big difference. Yeah. And so, you know, that's one example of how you can make some changes and, and try to adapt to those different cultures. Well, you, you mentioned working with Savant, another um, automation brand for lack of a better term, obviously they do a lot more than just automation, but that's their core, which is similar to what RTI was like. Um, but that's not all you've, that's not the only type of company you've worked with and with the big corp. What are some of the other product category manufacturers that you've represented? Yeah, well, I, I'm very proud to have worked with a lot of fantastic manufacturers over the year. Currently, uh, some of the brands that I, that I also work with through the big corp would be Russ Sound, which is, you know, just such a great company and uh, such a, a veteran in our industry, especially for distributed audio. And, and I just think of, of Russ Sound as, uh, you know, such a classic example of a CI manufacturer because they've always been involved in the CI space. They've always been passionate and dedicated to the CI channel. I love the Rust Sound RCI program, which protects dealers uh, so that any of the RCI products or amplifiers, uh, if somebody tries to sell it on eBay or something like that, you, you won't be able to really power it up and use it mm. unless you have RCI credentials, mm. Rust Sound certified installer credentials. And then it's super easy. Once you're on the network, you just type in your username and password. It unlocks that device. So, you know, they're a fantastic uh, brand. Also, Nexus 21, uh, based in Arizona. Very proud to be working with uh, Nexus 21. And and really, you know, a lot of the brands that, that uh, the Big Corp represents, I think, are leaders in their given category. And, and as such, they have exceptional... Uh, warranty periods like Nexus 21, 10-year warranty on, on their motorized uh, products and concealment products. And I think I always like to find products that are unique as well and add value. And so Nexus 21 definitely falls into that category where uh, if I was still an integrator, I would be looking for, I would talk about Nexus 21 and motorized concealment products with every single pers prospective customer. Because it just is a way to differentiate. Yeah. If everybody else is selling 
static wall mount brackets or articulating arm brackets or something like that. And I'm coming up with a creative solution. And even not just looking at the audio video elements, but look at the concealment elements for coffee makers and toasters and spice racks and things like that. That's really, you know, at the heart of what we do. Yeah, that's as the integration. That's the companies. magic. Yeah, that's really the magic. But I don't think people talk about that stuff enough. Yeah. And and I ch- always, always tried to find unique solutions that I could offer to prospective customers. And I would drop those uh, throughout the entire sales process like little breadcrumbs. <laughs> and if they picked up on one of those things, just one of those things, like a motorized uh, you know, lift for a toaster or a coffee maker, and they went, we like the... I had clients all the time that said, we're going to go with you, Pete, because you thought of more creative solutions than anybody else that we met with. <laughs> and so I, I can't stress that enough for those of you listening to this podcast, try and find ways to differentiate from your competition. Right. Absolutely. Well, um, and then uh, let's see, I don't want to forget anybody. Well, you worked with some audio companies, some other speaker companies as well, I recall. Pardon me? You've, you've, you've worked with some speaker manufacturers, some really unique ones over the years. I don't know how um, how current that is, but... Uh, yeah, I certainly have worked with uh, Waterfall Audio yes, over the years. Yes, that's what I was which, thinking. Uh, they're a glass speaker manufacturer out of France. And again, you know, a very unique solution. Mm-hmm. And so if I was an integrator, again, I would be talking about that all the time. Yeah. Because... I, I look at uh, Waterfall Audio, which I have some, you may be able to see in my office here. Um, but those are fantastic speakers. And especially now, as you probably know, Jeremy, there's a lot more interest in better quality audio. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, on a little segue, I think that audio has fallen way behind video. So if somebody's building a new house or moving into a new house, there's no way that they're going to buy an old standard deaf television, right? <laughs> right. 480p. I mean, there's just no way. They're going to buy 1080p or probably 4K. Mm-hmm. And I think once the consumer hears high-resolution audio and better quality audio, there's no way that they would want to listen to compressed audio. Uh, and that's why we have double-digit double growth in turntable sales. Mm-hmm. Uh, is because people want better quality sound. And with a product like Waterfall Audio, it passes the wife acceptance factor. You know, if I wanted to put some big tower, you know, black wood speakers in my family room, it's probably not going to pass the wife acceptance factor. But the Waterfall Audio speakers are beautiful. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, yeah, I think that uh, that's a, a unique solution. And then uh, IC Realtime is another brand I'm extremely proud to be that's right. partnered with. Uh, I did a lot of research um, and and asked a lot of dealers and distributors and, and reps who they thought was the best uh, surveillance company because I thought, you know, that there was a huge opportunity for surveillance internationally. In the U.S., almost every distributor has a uh, surveillance brand, but very few international distributors have a surveillance brand. Interesting. And so after my research, I found out that everybody raved about IC Realtime. They absolutely loved IC Realtime. So, you know, this is a little lesson uh, on business development. 
I did some research. I found out who the CEO was. I sent that person, Matt Saylor, a very carefully worded uh, message on LinkedIn and asked him to connect with me and said, uh, I, I think it was the headline was, I see real-time global domination. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to help you dominate uh, internationally with IC real time. And so Matt responded right away and uh, put me in touch with somebody else on the team. And we kind of, uh, you know, communicated back and forth uh, for about a year and a half. Uh, and then eventually they hired me and, and now it's going fantastic. So really proud to be working with IC real time. And there again, you know, they have an exceptional warranty, 10 year warranty. Mm -hmm. And they also um, realized that, uh, you know, they wanted to double down on the quality of, of care and customer support that they deliver to their dealers and end user customers. And they uh, launched this eye care commitment, which is really pretty uh, remarkable with a 90 day um, advanced replacement policy, uh, destroy and field policy for a lot of the, the products. They can't do it on a $3,000 PTZ camera, but hmm. many of the products, uh, they'll allow you to just cut the cord and, and uh, destroy it in the field and they'll send you a replacement. Hmm. And expanded customer service and tech support teams as well and project planning teams. So yeah, they're uh, really, really proud to be working with them. So so much of what you've done in the past and currently has been international travel and getting in-person meetings. And I can't imagine that the past year and a half with the pandemic, it's been super easy for you. Have you had to adapt to just doing virtual um, kind of Zoom type calls, uh, Skype calls with your international uh distributors that you work with and linking up with your new clients have have you been able to kind of keep pace with the way things had to adjust yeah you know we definitely had to uh as the term <laughs> that, that that's been used a lot we had to pivot mm -hmm. and and adapt uh 100 so I do definitely miss the in-person meetings. It was great to see you, uh, Jeremy, a couple of weeks ago and, um, and meet in person. You know, that's the first time in, I, I guess, a year and a half that I've really been in a situation like that where I've been face-to-face -face with, uh, with dealers and customers. So that was really cool. I certainly miss that. And I, I miss, you know, visiting a lot of the international markets and I'm desperate to to get back out there and support the the great channel partners, distributors that I work with, and and also the dealers uh, to see them face to face. In the meantime, you know we have done a lot of um, virtual trainings, mm. Tech Byte training series, uh, and I've I've created a whole new section on my website just dedicated to training and education. So I have great uh, training materials up there. If anybody wants uh, any training or education, even if you're not in my market, hmm. uh, you can visit the Big Corp and, uh, and look at the resources tab. There's some great materials uh, on the resources tab and the, the password is think big. Okay. And then you can go in and we probably have 20 or 30 trainings up there now and we'll continue to do more of that. And it's, you know, it's been a good lesson, I think, for me. And I know that uh, there's a lot of people out there that do even more uh, 
uh, produce even more online content. You know, this is a great platform, Jeremy, and I'm, I'm really thrilled and, and grateful that you invited me to be on this platform and just uh, try and connect with people any way that we can virtually. Mm-hmm. If you can't do it in person, then you have to find a way to connect virtually. And I would encourage dealers as well, you know, find ways to reach out and connect with your audience. And uh, and one thing that I will say is right now, you know, nearly every one of my friends, my neighbors, family members, they all have been doing renovations and updates and, and home improvements. And I think it's worthy of creating an email blast. I have one that if there's any dealers that want a email blast template, mm-hmm. just email me, Pete at the Big Corp. Dot com And I'll email you an email blast template that I created in this regard just to help dealers, not for my own benefit. It's I created it for dealers just as a free tool or gift uh, that says, you know, it's an email blast you can send to your client base that says, thinking about doing any updates, here's some cool new technology from brand X, Y, or Z. Mm-hmm. You can put in your own uh, content there. And uh, and invite them to a free virtual uh, consultation session yeah, where you, you know they can have a phone or iPad or something like that and walk around the house and ask you questions. Yeah, if they don't want you at your at their house right now, that's a great idea. Yeah. So speaking of in person, um, we've got CDA Expo still on the horizon here coming up September first through the third, and uh, notably there have been a lot of cancellations with the big manufacturers. It's been tough. I've been trying to be a great uh, promoter of that show. I think it's so important that we get back in person. And I, I know that Emerald that runs the show kind of is stuck because they, they've they've got to have this thing. They can't cancel. But manufacturers are just so uh, in a tough spot with the with the continuation of of the the COVID virus and the the the, the Delta variant and just having to care for their employees, you know, and not have liability there. Um, what's your take on, on that, on that delicate dance that ever, that these manufacturers are having to, to make? And are you planning to still come to Cedia? Yeah, well, it's a very good question. Uh, I was scheduled to go to Cedia and, uh, and planned on going, I'm, uh, I'm vaccinated. I had COVID back in November mm-hmm. and I'm vaccinated. So I'm not worried about myself. Um, I don't have anybody in my home. It's just my wife and I with a compromised immune system or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, so so I, for me, I was okay going there. I, I wasn't too worried about um, my safety or anyone in my, uh, in my home. But, you know, I do look at it. Uh, I, I saw a post from uh, John... Hyman, I think is his name, the CEO of Snap. Yeah. And I thought that he uh, was very eloquent he was. And in what he said. He said, look, you know, we have to think about the safety of our team and also uh, their families uh, because they may have people with compromised immune systems. And so uh, I will tell you that um, that. I've been vaccinated. My wife has been vaccinated. I had COVID. She never had COVID, but she did get the Delta variant about two weeks ago. Oh, really? Even after being vaccinated. And so it it is a very uh, viral, very contagious uh, um, 
uh, version or, or, you know, uh, so mm -hmm. yeah, it, it is very, very contagious right now. Uh, I, from what I've heard, I'm not a physician obviously, but from what I've heard bits and pieces, it isn't as, uh, as lethal as, as the, uh, other, uh, the original COVID-19, um, pandemic, but, uh, or, or disease, yeah. but virus, mm -hmm. uh, but it is still, you know, very, uh, very serious. And so, you know, I understand why a lot of companies like Savant, uh, pulled out, they, they had to think about their family and they had to think about, um, our, their employees and the employees family as well. And, uh, what's involved, uh, with that and the risks, uh, that are involved. So I fully understand that. I think I, I'm just as, uh, disappointed or upset as anybody mm -hmm. because I would love to be there and I'd love to, uh, you know, see some of these cool new products that a lot of companies like Savon are coming out with, but I respect their decision mm -hmm. and understand it. So, so, so I pulled the plug on Friday and decided that there, it just wasn't, uh, there wasn't a, a real driving need for me to go okay. because, uh, none of my brands are going to be exhibiting there. Okay. And so I decided, uh, on Friday just to, to cancel my plans. Mm. That's unfortunate. Yeah I, yeah, I understand that. And uh, not enough there for you're good with your client mix and not looking to prospect or, or anything like that. It's just not worth that effort. Yeah. You know, like I said, I think, you know, my my thoughts on it are if you feel safe going yeah. there and uh, and you're not worried about uh, someone else on your team, then by all means go. Right. You know, and if you have a good reason to go there uh, for companies that might have, you know, 50 to 70 employees that oh, yeah. would be involved in that show, you know, that's a whole nother decision that needs to be made. Uh, and, and if there's somebody that is part of the company and they have somebody with a compromised immune system at home, I hope that they'd be respectful and understand if they can't go. Yeah. Well, it's local for me. So it's been, the whole thing's been easier. I, I initially was a little just, we, we've gotten so used to not going to things that all of a sudden there's this new big event and it's like, am I ready for this in-person person sort of scenario? And, uh, you know, I've been getting warmed up to it and then everything kind of got switched. But um, at this point, I'm still planning on being there because it's local. It's uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mask mask up, which I don't love the idea having to do for as long as you're out there on the floor. So maybe in and out to the outdoors to cool off and just kind of right. breathe. But, um, uh -huh. but, but I, I'm just going to try to give a lot of those little companies that may get passed over more attention than I normally could because the big ones aren't there and, and make, make the best of it, see the friends that show up and, uh, and maybe it'll just be a low key kind of weird <laughs> one-time deal and we can kind of get back to normal next year. We'll, we'll get it to finally get back. Yeah. To I mean, I held out for a long time. I really wanted to go. Yeah. And like I said, I, I felt safe uh, for myself and my family, but there just wasn't a real yeah. uh, need for me to go. So it makes sense. I hope you have fun out there <laughs> uh, and uh, get to see some good faces. And, and I do think, you know, because it, it's not going to be as busy out there. You'll probably find yourself having some really good, rich conversations yeah. and maybe not as rushed. I know what it's like for you, Jeremy. 
uh, when you're at a, a full contingent yeah. uh, kind of show. And same for me, you know, usually for me at a, at a show like CEDIA or ISE integrated systems mm-hmm. Europe, where you and I have both been in the past, I might have 50 or 60 meetings over the course of three days. Yeah. And, and, uh, it is a real marathon. It is. It's exhausting <laughs> for sure. It is exhausting. Yeah. It's a lot of work. Well, hey, Pete, thanks for, so much for joining me today. It's been my great pleasure catching up more. <laughs> um, yeah, it's always great to see you, Jeremy. And, and you know, thank you so much for the opportunity. And, and uh, yeah, I hope that uh, some of the conversations we've shared today are helpful to some of the dealers out there. I just can't stress enough that whole uh, element of trying to differentiate from your competition. And that's what helped me. Uh, aside from having just such a fantastic team at RTI and also at uh, at CHI, my integration company, and certainly with Big, I always try to find uh, what are the key benefits that we have to offer with any given brand, uh, and and I think about that as well with uh, back in my integration company. Why would somebody want to buy from me? versus my competition. And I always went into those meetings thinking I might get one chance, one chance to make an impression on this prospective client and I don't want to screw it up. So I really focused hard on preparing for that meeting with that client and always try to differentiate from my competition. And I see a lot of dealers now that uh, maybe focus too much on the price. Obviously you have to respect a budget with a with a client, but it's not always just about price. Yeah. You know, there are also benefits and and uh, motivators why somebody might want to invest a little bit more money. You know, for instance, with IC Real Time, if you can see better at in very dark conditions with their product, mm-hmm. it's worth more money to me to be able to see better. If there's a bad person, you know, lurking out around my house, right. I want to see that person with a best possible clarity. And so find a way to differentiate from your competition by highlighting some of those great benefits you have to offer. And that's what I did with my integration company. And our revenue doubled every year until the day I sold the company. Nice. So, yeah. So thank you so much, Jeremy. I really appreciate it. And uh, stay safe and happy and healthy, everyone out there. And best wishes for a big year ahead. Absolutely. Pete Baker is Managing Director of the Baker International Group, otherwise known as the Big Corp. That wraps up today's show. If you're new to Residential Tech Talks, please subscribe to the weekly podcast and consider rating and reviewing us wherever you listen or watch us. Also, check out all the latest residential tech news at the magazine's website, restechtoday.com where you can also subscribe to the bi-monthly print or digital magazine and to our Tuesday and Friday email newsletters. Until next time, please stay safe, stay inspired, and let us know if you have a great story to tell.